All right. All right. We are live on we Facebook. Live. It's a Friday night. Time for evidence-based triathlete. It seems that yep. we're early, but we're really not early. Yeah, we're both on Mountain Standard Time. Yeah. And uh, it is definitely uh, at 6.05. But uh, yeah, Vegas time, we're, we're a little early. Uh, you know, wanted to get, get, get this done a little early. Because, you know, John, after we talk, I've kind of realized that I feel so good after we talk that I actually have trouble falling asleep. Not because I'm of anything else. I just enjoy our conversation so much that, uh, and, and we're thinking as we're going and I have a hard time sometimes winding down. So I still probably won't be able to sleep tonight because, you know, race tomorrow, <laughs> but, uh, we'll knock on wood that we'll be able to, we'll be able to get a good night's sleep tonight. Oh, uh, it's funny. I'm actually the, uh, the same way. And, and yeah, we'll, we will have some fun tomorrow. And, uh, I am in uh, look at that view of transition. Yes. That's transition up there, the white tents, and uh, what was that, a Shimano vehicle there? Is that what that was? Yeah, there were a couple of Shimano vehicles up there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been fun to uh, be this close to uh, transition at a big race like this. Let's go back to my yeah. Well, you know, John, if you think about it, now with Kona not happening, this probably, this is the biggest race of the year, right? Yeah, St. George like, is the new Kona. Globally? Yeah, St. George is the new Kona. Yep. And, um, you know, when you look at the pro start list, I mean, not everybody is here, but man, it is the who's who for the, for the most part. And, um, and even the age groupers, I mean, there's people from all over the world here. And there's a lot uh, of fit people here right now. There is a, there is a lot of fit people here. And, and, and it's, you know, it's I, just fun. It's fun to be around that. Oh, it totally is. And, and I enjoy it. Like I was went for you know, a short bike ride and short run this morning. And, you know, you're seeing people take pictures of all, and I do the same thing. I still take pictures of this area. It's so beautiful. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, these are people from around the world, around the country, and they're enjoying what's in our backyard. And this is, in essence, a home course event for us because we, we race, you know, sections of this pretty frequently with our, our local races. So it's really neat to be able to share that with the rest of the country, rest of the world on an event like this. Yeah. And honestly, like St. George and this, this whole area is just such an awesome place. It, mm-hmm. it, it is absolutely um, breathtaking, you know, and uh, we, can't, we sometimes take it for granted how great of a place it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I wish man. I would have bought, I I bought a place here about 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, right. I think you still can and you're still getting a return on investment. It, it's uh, it's a pretty popular place. And who knows, Absolutely. with uh, St. George being the new Kona, maybe this is the place to uh, to have at least a trailer spot to park in. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the course and everything last time. Mm-hmm. Um, today was interesting, though, because both of us uh, got a chance to look at some bikes and yeah. look at uh, what people are doing. Um, and I'm going to call it morphing their yeah, bicycle. Yeah. You know, uh, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about aero and talking about bikes and bike position, uh, marginal gains, as it were. Mm-hmm. But man, it is it is in full force here, and uh, you know, I'm taking notes. Yeah, I um, I was going around scratching my head, and I was like, why am I not doing that? Uh, but some of the we we both you know thought of the fairing rule. Uh, 
yes. but I, I, I think what caught my eye, which is funny, it caught your eye as well, is the, the between the bar setups for hydration. That really yep. caught my eye on, on several uh, bikes. Yeah, the, the, you know, just for the people that aren't here, what people are doing is they're doing a typical between the bar bottle, but then they're taping all the way around their arrow bars. So both arrow bars. So there's no, you know, there's basically no gaps mm -hmm. um, in between where, where basically where their arms are and where their bottle is and, and no gaps underneath their arrow bars and where their bottle is either. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my question is, is that truly functional or is that a fairing? And, uh, for people that don't know the, uh, a fairing is a, is, is a, something you put on something else to basically make it more aerodynamic. So in, in people do this a lot in the cross country bicycle, uh, mm -hmm. tours where they actually will put a plastic shield in front of, in front of their bike, kind of like a windshield actually. Yeah. And it drastically reduces your, um, your drag or your, yeah, yeah your drag. Yeah. And in triathlon, you know, we've been, you know, I don't know, flirting with uh, rules uh, as far as aerodynamics and stuff like that for a long time. But what I'm seeing here, and it's the first time I've seen it live, I've, you know, I've seen a few things on TV with some pro triathletes that it appears to me that some of these setups are, yes, functional to a certain extent, but also uh, seems to me to be breaking the USAT rule for sure. Well, but even uh, the integrated front ends are really, they've come, become such a clean setup. I, yeah. mean, I looked at a couple of them. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta change this up because, you know, that's a lot of um, change of CD uh, or yeah. how well the air flows over the bike. And the more you can clean up that front end, you know, obviously a lot of us are cleaned it up, have cleaned up the front end by wire management, routing our wires through the bars, down through the headset. And you don't have those cables sticking out, you know, like, you know, bikes from 10 years ago or what have you. Uh, but to clean up even the front hydration makes a lot of sense. But yeah, where's the, where's, where's the line out tomorrow, I guess, if there's um, no penalties and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, to me, it's interesting, like, where we do draw the line. And, and it also is a little bit disheartening to me as well, because a custom front end, 3D printed, and this is what's happening at the high end, and they're being actually, some of them being 3D printed in titanium. Yeah. Um, $6,000 for the front end for, for, for a, a, a handlebar setup. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we've talked already about the fact that triathlon is ex is expensive. That might be mine. Um, oh, it could be out of the reach of people. You start throwing a $6,000 front end on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Where does it end? It's tough. Well, and I, did you see, I'm sure you saw in the uh, expo, the, the arm cups that yep. were extending out really almost all the way up to your wrist, which again is one for comfort. And so it's functional. On the other hand, that that could lead to a really clean uh, setup. I didn't check the price on them though. But, uh, uh, the the full setup with the with the whole with the whole bar and everything, I think is eleven hundred. Yeah. Uh, just the scoops themselves, I think you can get for three hundred ish. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are you know, yeah. I I've actually been looking at some some different 
solutions for this. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, to get it where it's all integrated in and, and not just added, like not just, not just your elbow pads being scoops, but like actually integrated in. And you're looking at at least, at least a thousand. Oh. Right. And, 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 you know, many people already paid about a thousand dollars for their, uh, you know, 500 to a thousand for their aero bar setup. So now you've got to replace that. Yep. new system it, it's a, and, and, it's and then you got it then the other is, issue is because of the way they're set up to actually have a, a hydration system in the front end on top of it mm-hmm. there's proprietary um wedges and screws yeah. and all these things to, to actually get it get get the hydration as well and that that makes it even more expensive yeah. so yeah it's a man it's it's a tough one, but I think ultimately, John, if this continues, the price will come down, right? And, yeah. it, and it won't be custom builds. It'll be, it'll, this will come to the masses and, um, you know, and hopefully it won't be much more than uh, the arrow bars are, uh, yeah. are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, a, a cost um, benefit. Uh, you know, you've got to look at how much you're spending and, and what you're really going to get out of it. I, I still say going back to improving your bike setup, you know, if you're going to invest in anything, invest in good tires, first and foremost, uh, yeah. that, that that's pretty critical because bad tires, it's like, you're always going to be riding uphill good tires. Yeah. At least you're, it won't, won't have that same uphill uh, sort of feel to it. So John, then, did you have any thoughts on, on these front ends and then also handling? So, I mean, obviously you have a, you have a, you have a, maybe a smaller frontal area, but maybe you have a larger side area. Mm-hmm. And then the other question I had is like, and it's on Jan Ferdano's bike, right? So he has his arms set up like this. Mm-hmm. Like his arms are almost touching. Yeah. And that's fine if you're a pro and you have right. these huge gaps in between you and you're rarely ever passing somebody and you're a great bike rider. Yep. But to me, I get concerned that age groupers, are going to be going narrower and narrower with their mm-hmm. hands and aren't really the, you know, that great of bike handlers to begin with mm-hmm. and uh, can be creating havoc out there. I do actually think that that might be um, a safety issue. No, oh, that's a great point. I mean, the, the wider your arms are on the handlebars, the more overall control you have of your front wheel, not only yep. just from a steering perspective, but like what, what you're talking about, even from a crosswind perspective, you, know, you get hit by a crosswind. If your arms are really narrow, you're going to have a harder time controlling that front wheel than if your arms are wider. The downside of having the wider is you're opening yourself up, and that's that CD. You're catching that air, that that wind um, in your chest more so. Yeah, that's why you want to have a little bit of a front water bottle fairing set up. <laughs> um, it's interesting. The one company, uh, Vision. They, you know, they sponsor EF uh, mm-hmm. in the pro and the cycling tour. They came up with an integrated system that's actually more like a triangle. So the hands okay. are together, but it's wider in the elbows. And I think they're trying to create like a yeah. V, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is on their world tour, uh, world tour cycling teams. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure they did a bunch of, you know, Vision is known for their aerodynamics. Yeah. Uh, they, they did a bunch of modeling. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, get somebody in a wind tunnel and look at the difference between here and here. Right. As I, and I don't know the answer because, you know, we don't have a wind tunnel yet at UNLV. Yeah. We're going to get one, one of these days. We will. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think what's important, and, and we've talked about this in the past, and you've been good at bringing it up, is you know you can't just be drawn to what you look like from the front, because we're going to be hitting getting hit from the wind from all different angles. And if the tendency is, if you're getting hit by uh, wind on the angle, to come up out of arrow, you've yep. now destroyed all the time and money you put into getting this narrow arrow position because you're not feeling comfortable on it. So you pop up. It's, it's you're, over. You're, you're hurting. So I wonder if that's what Vision's looking at is uh, whether or not you're able to increase your time in arrow by having a different type of bar set. Maybe you sacrifice a little bit of straight on, uh, but you know, we call looking at CD from different angles, you know, the yaw angle, you know, right. what angle the wind is actually hitting you from. And, uh, and, and, and there, you know, there still is an optimization of this idea of managing the bike and staying in arrow versus popping up and coming out of it and losing all that advantage. Yes, yeah. It's, Oh, this, once again, this is all fascinating stuff. And, you know, John, uh, it all takes his money. <laughs> you could, we could test all these things. And, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's – well, and the other thing is it's money, but it's also, like, can you get these things to fit to your bike? Yeah, that's right. Like, do, you, do you have right bolt patterns? And, you know, the one I was – I was looking at one uh, out of Europe, and they actually had the conversion kit for my my bike. And I was like, oh, oh. Well, you know. But then it's like a $200 <laughs> extra uh -huh. just for – for like the right spacers for my bike. And uh, it's, yeah. Well, you know what I forgot? What's that? My Aero socks. You did? I did. Yes, I'm a little disappointed because that's a pretty low cost item. That is a really low cost item. Uh, but it doesn't take much to put them on and they're, they're not going to hurt. They're not going to add drag and they're only going to help. So I'm a little bummed that I, my aero socks are in my drawer at home. So yeah, you just lost four watts or three watts yeah, yeah, potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, you know it's it, it's interesting. So that I mean that is such a low hanging fruit, but very few people actually do use aero socks. I mean I've only used them for the last couple of years. Yeah, and but I guess that's where they you know sort of become more popular in, in the last couple of years. The one thing about the aero socks are they are a little bit more difficult to get on in T one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I well, think if it, even if it takes an extra 20 seconds, you're going to gain that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I actually have aero socks and aero sleeves, and it depends on what, if it's wetsuit legal or not. Yeah. If it's, if it's, if it's wetsuit legal, I'll wear the sleeves okay. because I can have them on as yep. I swim. Yeah. If it's not wetsuit legal, you can't have them on. So then, mm -hmm. then they're, uh, I have the aero socks. I don't think we're going to get to 76 tomorrow. Well, that storm just missed us. That's true. That, our, that maybe was our last chance. Yeah, um, maybe there'll be some water that comes down. Well, it's supposed to be 61 tonight. If it's mm -hmm. windy in 61, there's yeah. a chance. That's true. It was windy here just a bit ago. Yeah, yeah. So if in the middle of the night we get a wind, a wind storm, mm -hmm. uh, which can happen here. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weather around. Mm -hmm. That's that that's the that's the chance, but. Either way, it is what it is, you know. Well, um, and I, I tell you, I, I'm, a bum, I'm bummed about my, my socks, but I did bring my uh, long sleeve arrow shirt, and I'm going to wear that. And partly because the wind direction for this race is largely going to be a headwind or, you know, sidewind. And so I want as much arrow clothing as possible. So 
Yeah. So the, the one thing for me, I was thinking about this one of, of not going with a long sleeve running is, uh, or riding and running is the heat. Cause I was more worried about the heat. Uh, cause if I overheat, it doesn't really matter. Like if I, if I gain one or two minutes on the bike, but I get a little hotter mm-hmm. and especially running in long sleeves, I, I personally feel like I get a little hotter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, right. No, that's a good never... point. You've got to, you've got to be thinking about all these factors. It's not yeah. as simple as, Oh, if I do this, I'm going to go yeah. faster. It's not, it's not that simple. Yeah. Cause the truth is like, you could go all the way. Are you going completely long sleeve running? Yeah. Riding. So you go all the way there. I mean, you're, you're potentially losing the ability to cool. Yeah. Um, as well. And they, I mean, it's a balance. You're right. It's an absolute balance. And then get, John, I guess the question for you would be, what would the heat index have to be for you not to wear the long sleeve? You know, um, I, I, the, I've used this particular shirt in hot temperatures before. And I know that as long as I keep it wet, that, that, uh, that, convection that that cooling of the arms actually is oh. is enhanced a little bit and so yep. the trick though is to make sure i pick up a water bottle at each aid station and i douse my arms i keep them wet as opposed to letting them get dry now what i don't know is what happens to the aerodynamic properties of the shirt when it when does wet. become wet so i may be you know doing all this for naught but uh so then the, and the other question we did, we literally just talked about this. How much out of arrow are you when you stop or slow down, get a water bottle and you're sitting up and yeah, pouring yeah. water on yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you losing the gains that you, and right. we don't know the answer to these. This is the, no. and this is the fun part of triathlon. We don't know the answer. No, but, and yes, we going into aid stations and you and I are both, we are big advocates. You've got to watch out for everybody. Don't blast yeah. through them. Because um, all it takes is for one person, a volunteer, even to reach out at the wrong time or someone to veer off in one direction or someone come up behind you. And there are too many stories of accidents happening in uh, bike transition. So, yeah, my goal in, a, in, in an aid station, if I need something, is to stop or sorry, to, to get it at the first person. Like oh, if yeah. it's water, oh. I need, I want to grab the absolute first mm-hmm. one and then, yeah. then look over my shoulder. Yeah. Make sure no one's in the way and get out of there. Yeah, like get as far left as I can. No, that's good. But yeah, make I, sure I, you look because people will be trying to sneak in in front of you. Yeah. So look, make sure it's clear and get get yeah. out of there. Yeah, I do the same thing, and I and I really, you know, look over my shoulder shoulder as I see the aid station. I'm looking back right then. I want to yeah. know who's behind me, who's coming yeah. up hot, what have you. But yeah, it's really a, a dangerous area. Agreed. Agreed. So some of these um, aerial things that we're talking about are, are performance um, enhancers, and they cost a little money, but there's some things that don't cost money, and that's body size. And we've talked about race weight. Before, yeah. this is such a complicated topic. It is so complicated. So let's just start out with this and just have the users kind of, or the listeners kind of think about this. If you were just to write it down, like what do you think your – ideal race body weight would be because i'm thinking for me like 98 pounds yeah (laughs) yeah. i'd be obviously being facetious here yeah i'll I'll give the same sort of sarcastic i I would say 10 pounds less than what i weigh now (laughs) 
whatever I weigh. Yeah. I want to yeah. Always. Less. <laughs> yeah. That's the mindset. Yeah. And, 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 and it's so tough, right? Because we look at, and, and, and I hate to do it, but everyone looks at professional athletes or mm-hmm. the top, top age groupers. Yeah. Right. And you look at them from the outside and you're like, Oh, if I, if I looked like that, I would be faster. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is it's in my opinion, it's simply not true. Mm-hmm. If you look like that, you are probably um, having endocrine dysfunction. Yeah. You're probably having bone mineral density issues. Mm-hmm. You're probably not a very healthy individual. No. And, and that even speaks more volume as we get older. No, that's what I'm saying uh, for an age grouper, right? Yeah. For somebody that is, 35 to 75 mm-hmm. to maintain that look mm-hmm. is not sustainable. Yeah. Especially for somebody that, okay. It's, I do think it's different. If you are um, pro athlete, you've got a, someone that's monitoring your nutrition, monitoring your coaching, monitoring everything for you, doing regular blood work, especially endocrine testing and uh, immune immune um, system testing and white blood cell count and white blood cell percentages. You got someone doing all those things for you, then potentially you could get to, mm-hmm. to that weight. But for the vast majority of us, it's not, uh, it's not a healthy thing. In my, in my opinion, it's not a healthy uh, thing to do. No, and that's it's so true, and and it's not always, and, and it's not only just the the weight issue, but it's the what we call the body composition issue, or how much fat you have and how much non-fat weight that you have, and uh, the fat is you know typically what we look at and we say we we don't want that, but actually we do want a certain amount of fat to in order to be healthy, you know, and I'll just go over stuff you already know. Uh, you know, you need fat that uh, covers the nerves that send signals to and, and receives information from the body or sends information to the muscles and gets information back. Those are all covered in fat. Uh, and it's, that helps with the signal transmission. And then you also have fat covering organs to make sure that they're protected. And so there's a minimum amount of fat that we talk about as being essential body fat. That's still a pretty low number. Uh, yeah, it's, it's less for men than it is for women, but man, if you start approaching that minimum body fat, uh, percentage, you, you're running into some challenges because we don't have a group, you know, there's not a singular best way to measure your body composition. There's a number of different techniques and they're all estimates. Yeah. I, I'm going to add one thing to that, John. So you mentioned the, the organs and the nervous system, but don't forget literally every cell in your body has a phospholipid bilayer uh, for its cell mm-hmm. wall. Yeah, yeah. Phospholipid means lipid is fat, right? So mm-hmm. literally every cell in your body yep. has fat around it, every cell. Yep. And it's important to understand that fat is not a, 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 a evil, right? right? And I think that too often or for, for too long our society, in our society, we've deemed fat as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And really, like, think about you and I right now. We'll add another piece to this. 
what what substrate are you using right now probably more than others a lot of carbohydrate <laughs> well, right now maybe a lot of carbohydrate but in general just sitting here having a conversation you're burning a lot of fat yeah yeah you're you're utilizing a lot of uh, of lipids for mm-hmm. it, for for the energy source right now and when you're sleeping mm-hmm. you're using a lot of lipids mm-hmm. and um so yes and then john let's go to that we don't it's really difficult to measure body comp but then it's also really, really difficult to say in triathlon, what is the ideal body comp? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I, John, so that's a question. Like, so if a student was to ask you that question, how would you respond? What is the ideal body comp for a male 55 years old competing in half Ironman or, or sorry, 70.3 or Ironman? How would you answer that? It's, it's an unanswerable question because it, it, you know, obviously you don't want to carry inert weight or weight that doesn't help you move forward. So it's not like we would go do a race and add on a, you know, 10 pound backpack and then and think we're going to have an improved performance. But that's exactly what you were saying is that that's the way that that negative connotation of fat by itself, but fat's a wonderful fuel source. So you need some fat. And you need to be able to access that fat during exercise. And that's the trick. And so what it's funny, what I often tell people when they ask me this question about body composition, I'll actually borrow from a, a friend, Jackie, that, that I heard this from. She would tell the athletes to go look at the finish line of an iron distance or half or whatever race they're interested in. Go look at the finishing time that you would expect to come in at. And then look at those body types and you will see all different types of bodies uh, at that expected uh, finish time. And so, you know, there are a a lot of body types that are successful really at all different levels. You know, it it can get to a little bit towards the pointy end uh, when you're really at that high end. But even, you know, you look at the pro triathletes, we're seeing all different size pro triathletes. I mean, look at the Olympic gold medal winner. I mean, he, he's a diesel engine. You know, I mean, he is thick. Yeah. And I, and, you know, and I would kind of bet money that he's going to be on the podium here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So not only can he do it in, you know, in the blazing heat of, uh, of Tokyo, which people would say, oh, you don't want to have extra weight. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, He's going to do it on the Hills in St. George as well. In my my opinion, I think that's going to happen, but who knows? I mean, I'm not a, a prognosticator, but he's not the prototypical type. And you look at someone like Javier Gomez, mm-hmm. right? Dominates, uh, you know, triathlon for five, five, six years, seven years. Mm-hmm. Pretty thick guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, Jan Ferdino. So tall. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's again, all different types of body sizes, even at uh, the elite. Uh, level. I, I, I think you need to think to, to do what you just said. Yeah. So, and I, I love the fact that you just said, because once you get to that, you know, you go out to a race and you actually see what's truly out there and the people mm-hmm. that can be successful at different body weights. I think that is, that, that does open people's eyes to a certain yeah. extent, but I also would contend that we often associate, or at least what the research shows us, we all, we often think that, well, the research, what we, what we came up with basically says that nobody's happy with their body yeah. weight. No, no triathletes are happy. Some men want to be bigger, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all own, sorry, 
98, 97% of women wanted to be smaller. Yeah. But nobody was happy. Yeah. And so I think that as a culture, we need to, and John, you and I can start this in our grassroots podcast right here, is be, just be happy with yourself. Like we're yeah. doing this. Like mm-hmm. just, just doing a triathlon is, an, is such, to me, is such an epic thing. Yeah. And if you do it at 210 pounds or you do it at 110 pounds, just be happy that you can do these things. Like we're adults and we're playing a game. <laughs> That's true. True. That's all it is. It's just, you know, going out and playing and uh, yep. swimming, biking and running for, for fun. And yeah. as, you know, the, it's hard not to get caught up into that body image though. And it, it is, um, it is interesting how it is a, a, a large percentage of people just aren't happy with what they look like. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll add another piece to this in, in an analogy for you to think about. So how many times, well, we were talking about this already. Have you went to a race and looked at other people's bikes and like, Oh man, that, <laughs> yeah, bike, like always. <laughs> that bike is so nice. If I had that bike, yeah. I, I, oh, I'd be even faster. It's the same with bodies. We look at other, other people's bodies. Oh gosh, look at that body. If I had that body, you know how fast I would be. Yeah. It's the same. We, we want things that we don't have, yeah. right? The grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, no, you're spot on. Now I'll also add to the story. We do a lot of body weight support research in our lab and we have a specialized treadmill that lifts you up while you run. So you can run at 95% your body weight, 90% all the way down to 20% your body weight. And I always love, you know, doing lab tours and whoever I'm doing a tour with, I'll put them in that treadmill and pump it up and lift them up. And then I go back to hundred percent their body weight and without fail, no matter what size the person is, no matter if they're underweight or overweight, they will all say, Oh my goodness, I've got to lose weight. <laughs> because running is hard. Yeah. And it would be the same if you get unweight on a bike. Yeah. Like if we had a if we had a bike treadmill that you could take weight off of people, yeah. mm-hmm. they would feel the exact same thing. Yeah. No, so sure. So, so you know, in, you want to talk about that paper a little bit in terms of the uh, body image and, and perceptions? Yes. So I did allude to a few of the things already, but the first one, the first statistic for me, and we can uh, put a link to this paper in the, uh, on the Facebook page, but um, the first one for me that uh, we'll talk about is basically what people thought they were compared to what they were. So this is actual body mass index versus perceived body mass index. And that um, as far as percentages of, of males, 75 or 76% uh, think they're larger than they actually are. Mm. Like that's pretty interesting, right? Like they actually think they're bigger than they are. Yeah. And uh, for women, it was only 25 or there's 13% of women thought that. So that's an interesting one to me. 76% of men uh, actually think they're bigger than they are. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? What do you, what do you attribute that one to? I don't know, but I've been there. And I remember for a long time, I was uh, always buying large size shirt because I always thought I was a large or an extra large. 
And then yeah. I, I forget what happened, but it was all of a sudden I, I took a shirt off and I said, oh, this is a medium. This is comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to change my, my, uh, my thinking. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just a medium. Yeah. Well, I should get some context to this. So this is interesting. This is, uh, was done out of Carolina, Charlotte. Um, this is back in 2002. This is the, honestly, the latest information we could get on this. This is from 2002. Yeah. So, and then, so the women one, that's, that one wasn't too surprising for me on, on that statistic. But then um, when we look at, think they're smaller than they actually are, 23% of men, 86% of women. Yeah. Think they're smaller than they actually are. Mm. So it's it, to me, John. This is like the ultimate question, right? Is why is it that we have this dichotomy between uh, between men and women? Yeah. Like it, and it's so drastic. Like mm -hmm. an overwhelming percentage of men think they're larger than they are, and an overwhelming of women think they're smaller than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And so, what creates that? I mean, is this is this just in root, ingrained in our culture? Well, this is this is a, not my area of, of research at all, but I, I do think that it is a lot of marketing and what we see and what's in front of us. Everything from you know advertisements that we we all see, you know, even you know games that that kids play and you know toys they play with, you know that it, it's um, it is part of our culture in terms of uh, body image. What's the perfect uh, body? Yeah. So in this, this dysmorphia, right? That's what we call it, where, you know, not happy with, with your shape. And, you, and, and I think that if you think you're smaller than you actually are, and you do do a body comp or you do weigh yourself, that can have a real negative mm -hmm. uh, implication, right? If you think that you're 130 pounds and it's in your mind, I'm 130, I'm a size six. Yeah but you're actually 140 yeah that can be you know can, can be can be devastating to people no and i think this is what really cool about these papers that uh that, that uh, bernice actually sent to, to us yeah. is the one talking about dependence on physical uh exercise because we get into this mindset that sometimes we need to exercise, not necessarily for our fitness or race performance, but because it has to do with body image. And that and, can lead to an eating disorder. And the, and the guilt associated with yeah. not training and not addressing that body image. Cause like, yeah, if you, if you think that you're 130 and you're 140, you're, yeah, you're going to do things that potentially aren't very healthy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this this is close for home, to home. Obviously, I think there's you know anyone listening to this is going to you know if you just think think amongst your you know within yourself, you're probably are feeling this. But even today, I had on my schedule I needed to do a 15 minute swim. Well, I don't have a car right now because I dropped it off down in St. George. You can't swim in the lake right now because the uh, because the events closed off the, uh, the lake for access. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, no, I really need to swim. <laughs> but then it really had to take me to take, take a step back and say, that swim is not going to impact my race tomorrow. So it's going to be okay. And it's funny how uh, we as, as traffic, we do get so ingrained in this routine, but we do need to really sometimes just take a step back and say, it's going to be okay.
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's probably, I mean, it's pretty bad for self-coached athletes as well. Mm-hmm. When you start as a self-coached athlete, athlete saying things like, Oh, I can't do that. Cause I have to run tonight. Yeah. No. You don't have to, yeah. even if you're coached, no. you don't have to do this. Remember, this is a game. We're playing a game. We're adults playing, playing around, have, playing a game. Right. And I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty of it as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Right? And not guilty of it. Like I'm not saying guilty. So it's the wrong word. I'm just as bad or good. I don't know. It's not even bad. I'm just, I'm <laughs> doing the same things. Right. Right. And uh, I think that we need to be able to give ourselves, and I'm once again, I'm not a psychologist either, but we need to give ourselves a break and give ourselves a pass, right? Mm-hmm. That, that if you miss a workout that was scheduled or that you think you should do and you miss it, it shouldn't spiral you into, a, into guilt. Mm-hmm. Because once again, we get to do this, we're playing a game. Yeah, that's right. This is not, this is not life and death. Mm-hmm at all right and it's but it's hard to wrap your head around that and you know um i try and have more fun with this and not take it so seriously you know i take it seriously when i'm racing but the question that was you know this was back to two weeks ago that we had about you know do you ever race for fun and i'm like i think so but do I really? And, right, and right, I, right. I took that, I actually took that question to heart. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to race for fun. I'm doing this for fun. Right. And if, and if I become unhealthy because yeah. of body composition problems, that's not good. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to one other thing. We've talked about this a long time ago, John, is that the number one rule in triathlete triathlon, in my opinion, is number one, be healthy. Yeah, that's right. Like that's, we're doing this, we're supposedly doing this because it's a healthy thing, but if at any point this not, is not healthy and I'm talking both, um, psychologically and physically, mm-hmm. and I think you, I think you would definitely agree. And, and John, I gotta be honest with you, you, as my friend, um, you've helped me with this because sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't see that. And it's nice to have someone like you that we can, you know, we talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're doing just fine. Like you're too hard on yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and this is for fun. And and I think you, the people that are listening, like you need to have a friend that can put things in perspective when, when you, when you lose perspective. No, that's a great point because our self-talk sometimes it's so easy to, to, to go down a negative path and and that is going to influence performance. And you and I are both, involved with this sports research innovation initiative and our mission is to optimize health and maximize performance. Yeah. And, and I think that that is such a, a critical mission because we really do. And health is, health can take many angles. I mean, it's not just physical health, but it is mental health. Boy, we yeah. really need to bring on a, a, a sport performance uh, person for this. Yeah, a, a sports psychologist, I'd, I'd love to find one. If anyone knows one that has dealt specifically with adult athletes. Mm-hmm. So many of the sports psychologists that I know work with collegiate and youth sports. And you start getting this stuff in with lifestyle yeah. stuff. And they don't. Yeah. And many don't have this perspective. Or they've worked with professional athletes. We're in a pretty unique world here, John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, you know, most of us are adults with, not myself, but with children of our own. and responsibilities of our own and jobs and own businesses and all these different things. Our our psychology is 
going to be different than a 22 year old college athlete. Mm -hmm. It has to be, it has to be. So John, let's move on to a couple more of these statistics. So the one I really love is for want to be larger or want to be smaller. Mm -hmm. So want to be larger for male 63% want to be larger, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting in triathlon. Yeah. Um, And only 36.8 want to be smaller. Mm. That one uh, that actually surprised me, and I love that's what you know, John. I love reading research when it surprises me. Yeah, right. That's why we do it because we don't know the answer. Or we we don't know the answer, through, but you got to ask the question and collect the data. Yep. And then um, the one that bothered me was for the females: two point seven percent want to be larger, ninety-seven point three want to be smaller, mm-hmm. and nobody was happy with where they were. Yeah, that's right. But think about that. 97.3% want to be smaller. Yeah. And when they broke this down in further into um, people that were already underweight, mm. remember this was, uh, there was people that were underweight, overweight, obese, nor- normal, as far as the BMI scale. Um, it, it fell across all, uh, all realms. Mm. And to me, like, obviously this is a little bit older paper, but this is, once again, the, the most recent data we have on this, that's kind of troubling to me. Yeah. And, and I don't know, the, I mean, obviously I'm not here for the answer. I'm just here to bring that up. And, and one of the things that, you know, maybe the answer is, is that, hey, listen, everybody, so as far as female triathletes, everybody wants to be smaller, everybody. So you're all the same, right? Mm-hmm. So can we all just shake hands and agree that we're all good? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, and I think you're right that it is troubling because what it can lead to is what I mentioned, eating disorders. And when you're, you know, an eating disorder is you're not eating uh, to uh, optimize your health. Uh, and it can also lead to exercise addiction. And well, the, and the two together. Yeah, that's right. That's, that can now have, you know, terrible implications for not only your health, but your relationships, your status, uh, even work and what have you. And the addiction part, uh, when you when we throw that word in with exercise, means it has a ne- exercise now has a negative connotation on yeah. your health or lifestyle. Yeah, and you know, John, we will do this. Um, you know, sometime sometime this fall, uh, we'll talk about uh, red S uh, mm. in, in in depth. So relative energy deficiency in sport, yeah. Yeah. and that's the that's the new buzzword for this, where it is an eating disorder and an exercise addiction mixed together and mm-hmm. uh and how common it is in endurance athletes and athletes in in, in general and yeah. we'll definitely go down that road i i have a full lecture that i teach on this uh in one of the classes i teach Great. on and uh, so we'll definitely come back to this but um yeah and then you know obviously we need to be on the on the lookout for that with our friends mm-hmm. and um and ourselves you know mm-hmm. uh, you know i've I've alluded to it in the past. Um, you know, I've not always had the most healthy relationship with food and with exercise and the culmination of them. Um, and you know, I'm getting better personally, I'm getting better with it. And, you know, you know this, but like, I don't weigh myself. Yeah. Right. I, I have, I have not weighed myself in four years mm-hmm. and I feel better about myself now than I ever have. And that's great. I, to the point where I literally, like, I go to the doctor and they like, they want to weigh you. I turn around on the scale and I tell them, I don't want to know. Oh. And my doctor knows that I don't want to know. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it's for me super healthy to not to not know and so if somebody asks me what i weigh i'm like i'm somewhere between here and here and i don't know yeah and i now try and judge myself based off of my ftp my run pace my swim pace my racing more than like that that metric to me it doesn't matter yeah. And, but it took, it took a long time to get there. And I had to, you know, I do have some serious self-talk mm-hmm. um, and I still am at a point and I'll, I'll, I'll share this. Like I'm still at a point where I could be, if somebody weighed me right now, I could be devastated. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm right. serious. John. Like, not, and I could fall into an eating disorder. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I just know myself like, I, and so I don't want to know. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll even share this. So the high levels Zwift racing, you know, requires you to weigh, weigh yourself in and I just guess. Yeah. Right. And, but one of the things in the high level is, is that you can actually, they can um, make you do a live weigh in with your phone. Oh, interesting. Okay. And like, I'm so fearful that that's going to happen on my team mm. because I don't want to know. And so I've tried to figure it out, okay, can I do this in a way that my wife can, can right. do the video and look and, and enter my stuff but then it goes into the results table and i'll see it you eventually come across it right and 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 honestly it it scares me and and and, you know i know this is not this is not my psychology talk right now but this is real right this is and i'm sharing this with people because to let people know that this is a this is serious no it is real i I think it's great that you are are sharing that because i'm I'm sure people are listening and, and feeling the same thing about looking at the scale and dreading it or, you know, basing how they feel for that day based upon whatever that scale tells you. I think, I think the weight, especially in the Southwest in our region, man, you cannot, you cannot, you know, really rely on that scale because you don't know how much hydration you've either taken in or that you, you know, you've left out there from exercise, you know, we're going to race, you know, tomorrow it's going to be hot, you know, yeah, maybe it will rain, but it's going to be hot and we are going to lose a lot of weight, but really it's just all water. It's all fluid. And, you know, I've gone out on rides in uh, Las Vegas and dropped, you know, 10, 15 pounds uh, and, but still taking in fluid at the same time. And it's just, you know, that, that, that weight by itself is just not a good metric of health. Yeah. And, and John, what would happen to me is I'd go on this long ride on a Sunday and then I wasn't able to replenish, but I'd weigh myself on a Monday morning and yeah. I'm like, Oh, look, yeah, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And then I'd weigh myself again on, let's say a, a Thursday. Right. So I was indoors most of the week and yeah. you know maybe a little bit outside and I would have gained six pounds. Yeah. Right. right. And I'm like, and it devastated me. Yeah. Right. That's right. And you're, you're absolutely right that that needs to be uh, a part of the solution. But one of the papers that we looked at prior to uh, tonight actually to did buy a, correlation. a, um, oh, sorry. Spectro- a spectrometer. I bought a, spectro- a spectrometer. Mm. And so I could actually measure the specific gravity of my urine. Mm-hmm. So I was, I wouldn't, I, uh, when I was weighing myself, I was trying to make sure I had the same specific gravity. Yeah. So my hydration was mm-hmm. taken into account. Oh, that's good. That's smart, but that's, you know, and they're not expensive. You can buy, uh, you can buy them for like 50 or $60. These are like this prism and you look into it. The, there's electric ones that are a couple hundred bucks, 
But if you are someone that does weigh themselves as an ARC athlete, I recommend getting something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so then you know at least that your yeah. hydration level is the same. That's a yeah. great, that's a great uh, point. And what's interesting is um, one of the papers that we read prior to tonight looked at the correlation between body weight and performance. Yeah. And we, we often equate those two, like we started out talking that, oh, you know, the lower, the lighter you are, the better you are. And the correlation was not strong at all. I mean, it was, it, it was there, but it wasn't strong. The what? It was there, but it wasn't strong. That's right. It wasn't, it would explain maybe you could predict 30% within 30% of how accurate your, um, your performance time will be, which is not going to get you there. I mean, that's not, that, that, I'm not going to Vegas with, with those odds at all. No, in terms not of with 30% body weight to predict performance. Yeah. And the, the thing that also and we did, we did talk about this, that paper was um, on 20, the average age was 21. And these were collegiate triathletes and doing Olympic distance racing. And so that makes it to me, it, it's interesting, Yeah, but it, that's a different world to, to what we're doing. But I, but I still think if you were to look at it, like, you know, if we were tomorrow to take, I don't know, hypothetically, I wish we could do this. Take the 400 guys in my age group mm -hmm. and weigh them all. Yeah. I mean, what would the, what would the slope look like versus the slope of their, of their finish times? I think it's going to be like, like this. Yeah. Now I also do think though, probably the, you know, the, if you look at the top 10 and the last 10, mm -hmm. the top 10 will be lighter versus the last 10. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's not going to be super strong. Mm -hmm. the, the, the correlation. Yeah. That, that's my thought. I mean, obviously we didn't do this research and I, and I wish we could do something like this. Um, it's too bad that, you know, cause Ironman, uh, um, for full Ironmans, they, do they still take people's weights? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they haven't been, uh, I haven't been weighed now before a race. I'm trying to think when the last one it was, but yeah, that's tip that, that was usually part of the protocol. So that would be interesting if we could get that data, right? Or someone could get yeah. that data and actually look at it, mm -hmm. body weight in an age group versus mm -hmm. position. And again, like you're talking, when we talk about the extremes ends of performance, you're yeah. getting a little bit tighter in terms of body yeah. type. But even if you look at that range in that performance you're still going to get a, a range of, of body types and, and uh yeah. And oh yeah within that within the top 10 there'll be a range and within yeah. the bottom 10 yeah. there will be a range you're absolutely right and so i guess the, the the message in reading all this these papers the message to me uh ultimately is we don't know the ideal body mm -hmm. composition for a triathlete mm -hmm. don't and, step on the scale and and if yeah and and, 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 and yeah me, maybe measure yourself like i'm doing based off of performance not off of body weight. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I would say is that invariably, invariably, once your volume gets to a certain minimum threshold, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're not able to hold on to, yeah. to that much excess body weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, most triathletes, if we look at this is actually some other research, uh, are in calorie debt most days. Uh, that's right. And I actually, I was going to say, when you start looking at big swings in weight, you actually want to really pay attention to that because that, that 
is not necessarily a good a good thing to drop a lot of weight all of a sudden. So, so uh, John, the other one that uh, in Las Vegas, or I noticed this in the summer. Um, I'll have big swings in body weight on a day I don't train, mm. where I lose a lot of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's my body is like when I'm training consistently outside, in particular, that my plasma volume, my blood, yeah. my blood volume goes up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, as a survival mechanism. And then if I don't train, I mean, in air conditioning all day long, um, I will yeah. lose a lot of body water on that mm -hmm. day. I don't know if you've, you've experienced something like that. I haven't, I, I haven't followed it that closely. You know, I, I, I'll step on the scale and then I go, why did I do that? <laughs> so, but I, I, um, but yeah, you know, we could look at, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the literature that's on there on fluctuations of body weight throughout the day. Where we talked but about it, circadian for, for me, it's on an off. It's it's only on the off day in the sun, and it's almost always in the summer. Yeah. yeah, right. Like I will, I'll go to the bathroom like fifteen times that day. It seems like, yeah. and and I'm there's volume right mm -hmm. coming out, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like I oh. I didn't drink any more today than I have, right. and but I really think it's it's like the body's recognizing, hey, I don't need to hold on to all this water because you're not putting me out in 110 degrees and riding your bike around. That's right. All right. So that is another interesting one. Oh, wow. Good topic. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome. So, um, yeah. So John, good luck tomorrow. You too. Should be, hopefully we'll have some fun out there. Um, yeah. the weather seems to be changing minute by minute. It is. We, we might get a thunderstorm during the race. Oh, that's my question to you. Oh, this is such a good question. At what point do the race organizers pull the plug in the middle of a race if there's a lightning storm? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. There, there are guidelines for that. And, and oh, really, wow. I think it, it just breaks down to uh, the safety of the athlete. Uh, so there are guidelines to it. But my understanding is, is that oftentimes those guidelines are neglected in uh, big races. Well, I can think of uh Ironman Texas one year it got stopped in the middle of the race uh Lake yep. Placid uh the swim got started and then they stopped uh there were uh, there are examples of it happening yeah. uh but I think it, for that to happen correctly not only do you need a good race director you need a good medical crew to really um have a protocol in place to identify when it, when the athletes are unsafe or in I, I think that I think the big issue here is where do you take people yeah, right, right, right. Because the you can't just let's say we're at the lake. Okay, well, don't get in the water. Well, where yeah. are you going to stand? Where are you going to go? Like they need to be sheltered, and yeah. there literally is no shelter. Other and there's no cars going to be out there. Mm -hmm. So normally you could actually a safe or spot is in a car. Yeah. Uh, there's no cars out there. No, no. And, and I remember uh, that was the discussion at Lake Placid when that did happen, and that actually is one of the situations. Even believe it or not, with lightning strikes and and swimming in pools that are outdoors is do you pull everyone out of the pool and have them on the deck? That's not very smart. Uh, you might as well be in the pool at that point, but yeah. I guess you could, uh, you know, here in St. George, the safest place will be a trailer. <laughs> You're John, you may have 60 people in your trailer tomorrow morning. That's right. you know? I'll be charging. A little bit. There's not a lot of room in here though. <laughs> yeah. But even like, think about it, like on the bike course or on the run, even yeah. like, where where are three thousand people gonna shelter in place? 
No, and I and I think that's I remember looking at guidelines uh, uh, some time ago, and it was athletes need to get to somewhere safe. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on the course whether you know whether you know here in St. George, there's not a lot of, of coverage. I mean, you're looking for an underpass or something that you can get to, but there's really only one. I'm thinking three that would be close to the course that you'd be able to uh, jump under. So. So in that in that case, as far as like a liability thing, um, because the it is known that there's not places, I think they have to be more cautious and yeah. potentially halt halt the race um, earlier than they would somewhere where there was shelter available. Yeah. So let's just hope, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But yeah. knock on wood, we get the clouds, not the rain. I think we're all going to be watching the radar tonight and see where it's at. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All well, right, have John. Have a great day tomorrow. I'll see you in the morning. Yeah, we'll see you in the morning, and we'll see you afterwards for one of those non-alcoholic beers. Yeah, there you go. That would be fun. All right, All talk right. soon. Okay, bye-bye.